So this uh, this week is, uh, of course, Shabbos Chanukah. Shabbos Chanukah is a uh, time that is mesugal. It's a good time to talk about a very important topic, a very interesting topic about Chach Meschitzanias. Chach Meschitzanias are those uh, type of external wisdoms other than the Torah, outside of the Torah's uh, strict uh, purview, um, that the Ivanim wanted to stop, to, to make sure that Klai Yisrael engages in the learning of Chach Meschitzanias. And Lashkicham Tairasacha, they were against us learning Taira. They wanted us to forget the Taira, and at the same time, they wanted us to learn Chachmas Chitzainis, to learn external sorts of uh, secular subjects, math and science, and uh, engage in more physical exercise activities, um, you know, focusing more on the body and the mind than on the Kedusha Satira. Interestingly enough, Rabbeinu Bechaye in his Pirish, says that all of the chachmas of the world, all of the many, many uh, wisdoms, and there is plenty of wisdom out in the world, all of the wisdom contained in the world is really contained in the Torah. You'll find it in the Torah itself. You'll find it in the Torah itself. And the seven branches of the Menorah in the Beis HaMikdash, we have a nine-branch Menorah, but in the Beis HaMikdash they had seven branches, each of those branches represents another element of Chachma in the world. So music and science and mathematics, um, etc. These are each of those are represented by a different branch of the Menorah. And these are all found in the Taira. The Taira is really what the Menorah symbolizes. So if the Menorah itself, which symbolizes Taira, and we know that it does has seven branches on it, what it's really saying is, is that in the Torah itself, you'll find all the Chachmas of the world. Don't think for a second that there are Chachmas out in the world that are not found in the Torah. Every Chachma in the world is contained in the Torah itself. In fact, there is a very interesting story about the Vilna Gain, and it's found in the Hakdama of the Pa'asa Sholchan. The Pas HaSholchan is a, a, a sefer written by one of the Talmidei Agra, and he writes in his Akdama that when the Gra once was making a siyum on Shir Hashirim, on his commentary to Shir Hashirim, he invited a few very select Talmidim to join him for the siyum. They went into a room, and he commanded when they came into the room to lock the door, to close the windows, and to light candles, many candles. So it had like sort of, I guess, like a tish type of feel to the room. There was uh, many, many, uh, you know, there were candles that were lit. It was dark. And there were only very, very hush of a people that were in the room. And he says that this is a special day. It's a special siyum. Why is it a siyum that's so special? Because it's not only a bracha, it's not only a siyam on shiashirim. Ostensibly, you, you were all invited to hear me make a siyam on shiashirim, on my commentary on that great Megillah, but it was, it's much more than that. This is really a siyam on kala And not only kala but really all of the chachmas that are contained in the world. I'm, I'm making a completion of all of them. I'm, I have now officially mastered, he said, all of the Chachmas in the world. And he continued to itemize what he knows. He says, algebra, geometry, trigonometry, music. He actually went, the Vilna Gain did, and he elaborated how, how praiseworthy the study of music is. We just know music generally because we enjoy listening to music. But really, there's a whole Chachman of music. Music is not just about 
you, you're enjoying something that's on a superficial level, music has tremendous chachma to it. Besides for an actual chachma of music, in terms of there's a science to music, and that's what they study in certain universities and uh, music schools, about how I guess there has to be a certain symmetry in terms of the music and the flow and the, uh, the diff- how to arrange music. But in the world of Kedusha, says the Vilna Gain, most of the deep secrets of the Torah, all of the mystical elements of the songs that the Levim sang, and many of the secrets of the Zayar, you cannot understand without knowing the, the, the mystical elements, the Chachma of music. And he says, with music you're able to know how to um, how to basically have tchias hamesim? You're able to mechayim mesim with the, with with knowing the chachma of music. Says the Vilna Gaon, and then he continued to say how he studied also not only algebra and math and and music, but also he mastered the chachma of he mastered the chachma of refua. He knows how to do surgery. He knows anatomy, and he said that he knows, he wanted to uh, learn even the practical elements of, 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 of being a physician, but to that his father advised him or commanded him not to learn, so that he shouldn't be mevatal tire when you have to go and be matzla nefesh. If let's say, you know, right now, if somebody has a heart attack or if I, you know, if I hear that somebody down the block, uh, you know, got into a car accident, there's no real need for me to run out of the building and, and to the crash light because I can't help anyway. I don't know how to help. So it would be really, I'd just be getting in the people's way. But let's say I would take a hot solo course and I know how to, how to deal with, uh, with, with crisis situations like that, or I know how to administer CPR, so then I would have to do it. So his father told him, listen, you can study all of the, the theoretics of, of anatomy and, and physiology and all the things that are entailed in, uh, in, in, in medicine, but don't study practical medicine, even though I know you're curious to master the whole thing. But if you do that, then you're, going to, you're inevitably going to have to move because you're going to have to go and save people's lives. He says the Chachma of Kishof, witchcraft, is also a Chachma, that the Sanhedrin knew how to do, the Tanoim knew how to do. He says uh, um, other types of wisdom that you find in the Gemaras. He mastered all of them, the Vilna Gain. He says about Chachma's philosophia, philosophy, he says that he learned it to its core, Letachlisa. But he says he only got out of it two things that were good, and that is uh, the Shivim Kaicha Sheba Adam that, uh, that, that the guy writes about in his Pirish on Yeshaya and, uh, and something else that he, uh, he says the rest of philosophy, he says you could toss away. He says there's nothing, I didn't find anything really valuable except for two things from the whole philosophy. All the study of philosophy... And then he says, Baruch Hashem... I have mastered the entire Torah as it was given at Har Sinai. I figured out, and that's the brilliance of the Gain, is that if you look at it, it's the Pirushim that we have of the Gain, and whatever we have of the Gain is literally a Tipa Shebayam, it's a drop in the ocean of what the Gain really wrote. But what the little that we have from the guy in all of his Tyra is always trying to find where Tyra Shebaalpeh is found, is Marumas in Tyra Shebaqsav. That's the brilliance of the guy. And he says, I, I mastered that and I understood it to the nth degree. And that's why the Siam that he made on Shirashim was so powerful. Because it wasn't just on Shirashim, it wasn't on Kalatarakula. Rav Chaim Kanievsky makes a Siam on Kalatarakula also every, every year which is an amazing accomplishment. But the Vilna Gain says that he's mastered every branch of the Menorah, every one of the seven branches of the Menorah, he knows Latachlisa. 
He is an expert, and we have even Svarim that he wrote on, on uh, geometry. I think it's called Ayel Meshulash. You could look it up on Hebrew books or whatever. He wrote, uh, they say that he wrote it in the bathroom. That's what they always said in yeshivas, that he, he, he wrote that in the bathroom. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they say. And he was, that, the Vilna Gaon was a master of, 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 of everything, philosophy and math and science and chemistry and physics and, and, and anatomy, everything he, he knew. And because, why did he know this? Not because he wanted to be a broad-minded individual and, you know, he wanted to know the Torah. In order to really fully understand the Torah, you need to know a lot of these sciences, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the, if you look, learn sugyas and sukkah, Erevin, you know, you need to know about pi, and you need to know about a circumference, and you need to know about different uh, different theorems that we know about from geometry that you think were invented or we were taught were invented in the last couple hundred years. You see, the Balitaisis knew about these things. Obviously, they had different ways of describing it. They didn't have the the same terminology that we have about pi and you know but but they basically were very meduktuk in understanding all of these things and we know that that the Chachmei Talmud uh, were proficient in things that even now like when NASA is sending Hubble telescopes out in the wall you know and and discovering new things these are things that are being discovered as if they were chiddush today but if you know you know the Hilchas Kiddush Achidish you'll know that these are things that. The, that were known already for a thousand years, two thousand years already, um, from the Chachme Talmud, the Chachme Mishnah, and 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 beyond. So, because the Yavanim wanted us to study sp- significantly, specifically Chachme and take us away from the Taira, so it's important for us to speak about it a little bit and to understand that it's not that there's really, Chachmas Chitzainis is really a misnomer. Chachmas Chitzainis sounds like there's a Chachma that's outside of the Taira's realm. And there's Taira, and then there's the other things that, we, uh, that, that people study. And it's not really true, because the Taira is Kailal, all of these things. The Taira, if you're able to be like a Vilna Gain, you're able to understand all of these things from the Taira. The Taira is really where all the Chachmas of the world come from, and they took it, for themselves, and they maybe uh, changed it a bit, or they they advanced it maybe, but they didn't. Uh, it wasn't something that's outside of the realm of Tyra. Tyra really is Kylo, all of the Chachmas Chitzanias. As the Rabbeinu Bechaya says, all the branches of the Menorah itself, the seven branches of the Menorah and the Mikdash, represent all of the, the various elements of secular subjects, but they all come from the Kayach of Tyra. Now, I just wanted to discuss a little bit of a historical um, debate, if you will, that um, really evolved over time about, are we allowed to study secular subjects? Is a Bentaira allowed to study secular subjects or not? Knowing that secular subjects are part of the Taira, so that would really almost make it you know, something that we should be doing, but yet we know that there was vehement opposition of G'dayli Yisrael against studying secular subjects um, until fairly recently. There is uh, the Velazhin the Yeshiva, uh, which was the first modern-day uh, template of what a Yeshiva that we have today, that we know of Yeshiva was. So Velazhin was basically a very, very... Uh, important yeshiva, very significant, and it was really the Amai yeshivas. It was the mother of all yeshivas. All yeshivas really come from Velazhin in a sense. Uh, in my sukkah, I hang a poster, and it's a, it's basically a flowchart starting with Velazhin yeshiva, and it shows how all the yeshivas today are really, at least the Ashkenazic yeshivas, are all uh, stemming from Velazhin, so a very important yeshiva. And the Nitziv decided, who was the Rosh Yeshiva of Velazhin, he decided that we have to close down the yeshiva at one point in its history. Why? Because it was uh, the Russian government dictated that you have to have secular subjects being studied in Belazhin. They What was a secular subject? It wasn't even like uh, philosophy. or It was basically, I think it was just to teach Russian the Russian language. You know, in the yeshivas then, they would all speak Yiddish. 
and Hebrew, you know, or learn in Hebrew and speak Yiddish, but they didn't necessarily know Russian. If they did, it was very small. But the Russian government wanted that they should be teaching Russian language in Velazhin. And then Siv, with consultation of other G'dayle Yisrael, decided that we can't allow that. We have to shut down the whole yeshiva just for teaching the Russian language. I saw recently a story from the Chavetz Chaim, that the Chavetz Chaim lived in a time that they were geyser or gezera, that you have to learn secular subjects in yeshivas. And he had a very big meeting with all the G'dayle Hadar in his house. And the Chavetz Chaim says, and this is a quote from him, Gezeras HaMalchus, the fact that the government is is dictating to allow to come into the yeshivas, you have to give up your life to stop such a gezer from taking place. It's to have in a yeshiva secular subjects. An amazing line from the Chavetz Chaim. So there was like a big murmur amongst the G'dayli Yisrael in the yeshiva, in, in, this, in this meeting, how did he know this? Where is the Chavetz? Give me a, you know, you always want a source for such a thing. If somebody says, it's a hard Yavar in yeshiva to have, that's a very big statement to make. It's not Gila Arayas. It's not Shvichas Damim. It's not, uh, it's not Avedah uh, Zara, hopefully. So what's, why is it a hard Yavar? What is it? It's not Malam Pnei Chavei Brabim. What's the Yehard Val Yavar? So they finally had the guts, somebody had the guts, or maybe the chutzpah to go and ask the Chavitz Chaim, you know, where is it written? You know, where, Menolim, like, where'd you get this? Where'd the Rebbe get this from? How did the Chavitz Chaim know this? So the Chavitz Chaim opened up his, his frock, he put his hand, his right hand, on his heart, on his pure heart, and he says, Doshtetos, this, uh, this is where it's written. It's written on my heart. Meaning, my pure heart of the Gadladar, that's where it's written that you're not allowed to study in yeshiva secular studies. That's what the Chavetz Chaim knew that from his heart. He felt in his heart that it's something wrong to study secular subjects in yeshiva. Now, this is really something that if you go to Eretz Yisrael, not all yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael, there are many yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael, not many, but I'm not talking about the, the more, uh, you know, Bnei Akiva yeshivas or Mizrahi yeshivas. They, I think they have, you know, regular Bagrote. But I'm talking about the yeshivish yeshivas, the Litvish yeshivas, let's say Panovich and uh, Hevron and uh, Kaltaira and, and the, you know, those types of, the Mir, well, that's not, a, that's a base Spanish. I'm talking about the, the high school grade levels and maybe even younger than that. The Hasid Yeshiva is for sure. I don't, you know, even in America, I'm not sure exactly how much they study in terms of secular studies in high school. So they basically don't. Do they follow this? This is their. They don't have secular studies. They, in the earlier grades, they learn just basic math, uh, maybe a little bit of uh, of English or maybe some, uh, I don't know, some science perhaps. I'm not sure. But basically, after a certain grade, they, there's nothing. They just learn day and night. That's all they do. So that is, uh, and that's the way, that's the way it is. Now, um, the, there's a very interesting uh, observation about this. And in Eretz Yisrael, people, the Haredim, for the most part, do not learn at all, you know, secular st- subjects. And um, Rapinkus in a Sefer writes that uh, a while back, a bacher from one of the yeshiva, yeshiva tichonit, one of the more, you know, these yeshivas that study secular subjects in Eretz Yisrael. So I was schmoozing with him a little bit about Ashkafa. I was very polite to him, says Repinkus, and I didn't have in mind whatsoever to get into a, a very big debate or to give him musr about that he's studying secular subjects. But I was asking him while I was talking, I asked him, what is your opinion? What do you think if the Rambam would get up now uh, from Trias HaMesim and the Rambam would come and he would um, see a yeshiva tichoniot, like a, a yeshiva that has secular subjects, um, 
would he think that that's the proper way or not? So good question. Would you, would the, if the Ramam came and he saw, you know, he saw Yeshiva Tichonit, would that be good or not? In his mind. So at the end, it turns out that this Bacher that he asked was a son of a very big uh, professor, a very big, uh, you know, like a PhD, a chashava, a very chashava academic. And a few days later, this professor wrote Rapinkas a letter. I guess his son told him about the conversation, asked him about the Rambam, if the Rambam would approve of a, of a, of a yeshiva with a college, a yeshiva with a, a secular subjects department or not. And the, uh, the professor wrote the following letter to Rapinkas. He says, Kavoda Rapinkas, I want to ask you a question. You asked my son a question, now I want to ask you a question. He says, if the Rambam would get up now for Tchiyas HaMesim, would he be hired as a Rebbe in any of your type of yeshivas? The Rambam was a doctor, the Rambam was a philosopher. Would they hire the Rambam in Panovich to give a shir? Now, all the shirim in, in Panovich is about the Rambam, but the Rambam himself, would they hire him as a personality in, in their yeshiva? The implication being that like, who's off? You're saying the Rambam wouldn't approve of a, of a Shiva Techanit, but at the same time, the, the, the Haredi Yeshivas wouldn't really approve of the Rambam. So, who's, who, what do you, if you use the Rambam for your, for your objective, then ask, you have to be intellectually honest and ask yourself, you know, how do you, how, how would you understand that? With the Rambam, the Rambam as, as he was in his life, was not a person that today the yeshiva system would even countenance as being somebody that's a gadol. If you're if you're a gadol and you're also a doctor and you're a PhD or you're a you know you're a, you're you have the sec, broad secular knowledge as the Rambam must have had. So you know would he be would he be even accepted in our circles? And Rapinkas concedes that it's a good question. It's a very good question, and. He says it's known that yeshivas do not accept limudechel into those yeshivas do not accept limudechel, and so he says, "What is it? Let's try to understand a little bit about what's going on. What's the problem with limudechel? The Rambam was a gadol b'tayra, and when he learned, he when he was young, he already wrote the Pirush Mishnayis, his famous Pirush Mishnayis. When he was older, he wrote the Mishnah Taira." He was also a doctor, he was also a philosopher, he was also a scientist. So how was he able to pull it off and we're not able to? Why is it that yeshivas are, for some reason, averse to, to teaching secular subjects where at the same time we see that there's a Rambam that's able to do it? And in fact, every single mother who wants her son who's in yeshiva to be a doctor, what, what's the famous... Uh, Refrain. The famous refrain is, the Rambam was a doctor. If the Rambam was a doctor, so you could be a doctor. So we have to understand, Taka, what's the difference, says Rapinkas, between the Rambam and us? Obviously, there's a zillion differences between the Rambam and us, but, and there's a zillion differences between the Rambam didn't go to medical school. He wasn't sitting next to girls in medical school and, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, being lab partners together with some, you know, he, with an Italian girl. He was, he was basically, uh, you know, he probably read a textbook or something and he became a doctor. He didn't, he didn't go to any, but besides for that, but just the fact that he engaged even in reading a textbook and, and understanding science and understanding the, you know, the, the anatomy and all of this, why is it okay for the Rambam to do that and, and not necessarily okay in the yeshivas to have such um, a robust uh, secular studies department? So he says the Rambam himself, this is a brilliant vart, you have to understand this so well, the Rambam himself wrote a letter to a Talmud, it's found in, in the Chuvas Per Hadar, and he wrote, it's just a few line letter, I'll, I'll just read it to you. He says, He says, while I was still in my mother's womb, I already knew Tyra, meaning from a young age, I focused solely on Tyra. And I sanctified myself before I left my mother's womb. And I dedicated my life to, to making sure that the Torah is spread as far and wide as possible. It's the love, it's my passion, it's, my, it's the wife of my, of my youth. 
Asher Ba'avasei Shagisi Mibuchurai, that I, I engaged in love of, of the Torah from a young age, from when I was a Bachar. V'yafgam Zais, but nevertheless, Harbein Noshim Nochrias Nasalaitzaris. I took into my house other Noshim Nochrias. I took in foreign women, besides for the wife who is the, the love of my life. I also admittedly accepted into my house others, other foreign type of women. Mayavias, Amainias, Sidainias, Ademias, Chatias, from different nationalities, from different denominations. Meaning he's talking about the different secular subjects that he took into his mind, into his life. Vashem Yisparach Yedea. Hashem can be made on me that I only took them into my home, these foreign women, in order to be the cooks and the chefs and the spicers and the bakers. To show the nations and the officers the, their, her beauty. Because it's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. So Rapinka says, what's the Ramam saying? The Ramam is saying like this. He says that this is the Ashkafa Sachayim. And this is how the Rapinkas sort of builds up an explanation of what the Ramam really means. He says, let's say there was a very wealthy person and he was living with his wife in a mansion. And everything is going well. They have a very nice life. They're raising a nice family. Money is coming in. Very comfortable, very successful. Everybody's happy. And they hire, obviously, they don't want, the, the wife is, uh, you know, hush of a woman. She doesn't want to have to be bothered to do the cleaning and the ironing and the cooking. So they hire different, different women to service those types of, uh, of needs. So they have a woman that's doing the laundry, they're doing a cooking, and a baker, and a Sarah Tabachim, a Sarah Mashkim, a Sarah... They have different, different women that are in charge of different departments in this mansion to make sure that everything is okay. That's perfect. Everything is fine. Everything is nice. Everything is good. Everything is going perfectly well. He says, in Shalom, for a moment, for one moment, one of these maids is suddenly matzachain in the eyes of the master and a person he, he looks at a maid and wow you know she's nice she's attractive you know and and he starts schmoozing with her and and it goes out of the professional realm and suddenly it becomes something of an emotional bond between the two of them so what happens he has to immediately throw her out of the house you can't have that go on in the house. It's not going to be accepted. It's not acceptable. The wife will not accept it. And the, uh, you know, it's just not the The whole house is going to collapse if he starts doing that. We hear stories about this sometimes, about how people, they have everything going. And then all of a sudden they have, a, they have something to do with, one of the, with their maid or whatever. And the whole, it ends in divorce. And the whole house just basically, you know, erupts and explodes from, from, from a relationship. So that's what the Ramam is saying, that the Taira is my Isha, the Taira is my beloved wife. That's what the Ramam says, from a young age, all I had was the Taira, and I dedicated my life, and I gave up everything for the Taira. And she is Ayelas Av and Yalas Chain, she is my beloved. There's nothing that's more precious to me in life, says the Ramam and the Taira. The other Chachmas that I took in, they were the bakers, like he says, and the, the cooks and the, and the laundry people. And the, I needed them because I needed them in order to beautify the Tyra, in order to beautify my, my approach to Tyra. I needed to do this for whatever the Ram's Kavanas were, but it was only to enhance. It was all the Menaira that were pointing towards the middle branch of the Menaira, towards Kedusha. All the Chachmas that I took into it wasn't, I didn't have a, a relationship with those Chachmas. They were just here merely as maidservants to service the Tyra, to make everything go well in terms of my parnasa, in terms of my understanding of, of Tyra itself, in order so that I could write Hilchas Kiddush HaChaydish, in order that I could write Hilchas Isha, so that I could write Hilchas Refua, that I could be involved in, in, in Mada and all of these things. I needed these wisdoms as, as the bakers, as the cooks, as the, for the Tyra. But the Tyra was the Ayelas Avi. That was my wife. 
My wife was the tyrant. All these other people were here to help my wife. He says, but if for a second one of these chachmas would be beloved to me, if let's say the Ram would stop looking at one of these chachmas as something that's, a tr- that, that's just here to service as a mechanical need that I need, but actually there's an emotional attachment that's growing and that's building with one of these chachmas, all of a sudden he's enamored by philosophy. He's like absolutely taken and stru- awestruck by mathematics, by physics. He'd say, I have to throw it out of my house. Then it's no longer useful. It's not gonna. It's not good. It's not. It's not here for for Tyra anymore. It has a. It has a usefulness in and of itself, and that's that's not acceptable. And the Ram is basically saying in these few lines exactly this: that the only reason why I was able personally to take into my life these chachmas is because I understood how everything has to be, the order of the house, and how the Torah is always the Iker, like he writes. It's my beloved from my youth, and it always will be. And all the other Chachmas were kept in check for professional purposes or for to serve the Torah, but I never got enamored by any of the other Chachmas because the Torah was the love of my life. So the Ram is basically saying, but don't try this at home. Because if you try this at home and you think that you're going to be able to learn Tyra, and then you're also going to be able to learn Mada, and you're going to be able to keep the Tyra as the main love of your life, and not be drawn towards the other Chachmas, then you might, not, you might be surprised that that might not happen. You might not always uh, be as attracted to the Tyra and make that your primary love, and you're going to start moving away from it and start being involved in music and, and, and involved in science and math and make that the love of your life. And that can't be because as soon as you have that, then you have, that's like that relationship between one of the maidservants that that will ruin the entire structure. People like the Rambam that were so makusher to Tyrus Ezra Pincus that it became mamish a chilek of their life they're able to do it. They're able to know how to learn Chachmas Chitzanias and to keep them um, at bay and not to have them uh, uh, have an emotional attachment to them. But other people might not have that ability. They might not have that ability. And he says that would be the reply to that professor. If Lu Yitzuyer, we could take into Yeshiva somebody that we could take into our Yeshiva um, mathematics and Rifua and other Chachmas and guarantee that not a single bacher would have a geshmak in it, and that it would be a competing geshmak against the Torah, says we would do it. But the chashash is so great that if we learn these chachmas, we might be drawn after them, we might leave Torah, and that's why we have to not include it in the curriculum of our yeshiva. That's why Velazhin closed down rather than having this, uh, this possible relationship with that Chachma of, of learning the Russian language. That's why the Chavitz Chaim said that in my heart it's written that you can't have any Chachmas Chitzanias. So what I've basically done in the last uh, 40 minutes or so is made a very strong case against the American yeshiva system. Not just Lander College for Men. Lander College for Men obviously comes to mind and as does other yeshiva colleges, but it's more insidious, it's more widespread than that because really... Most yeshivas, even Litvish yeshivas today in America, as opposed to in Eretz Yisrael, uh, I don't know what they do exactly in Europe, but in, 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 let's just focus on, our, on America. In America, the yeshivas until high school, and including high school, most, I'm not talking about Hasidish yeshivas, but most yeshivas today um, have secular studies. They do. You can't deny it. They learn math. They learn something. They could say it's a joke, and they don't take it seriously. That may be. I'll tell you, I personally went to Long Beach Yeshiva, and, uh, and, which is one of the Lakewood branches, and I don't know what it is, what's going on in the Secular sub- Studies Department today in Long Beach, but when I went, there was a very, very good Secular Studies Department. Uh, Philadelphia Yeshiva also, Dr. Sokol went to Philadelphia, he told me also, he got a very good background. The, 
Back then, the yeshivas took it very seriously. We had excellent teachers from uh, the public school system. They came they, in the public school system. They taught in the mornings. They came to yeshiva in the afternoon. They taught us, and they, it was very serious. We took regents. We did very well on the regents for the most part. And um, even though they frowned upon college, and I've told you many times how uh, my one of my rabbis in high school, if you would ask a klutz kasha and shir, the biggest shtach that he could give you is, you will take a cent to college. That was a word, like if, if somebody was told that they were going to go to college, that was, that was like the end. That was like the worst thing you could say to a person, that they're, you know, they didn't want you to go to college, and they very much, very strongly condemned, you know, going to college. And, but, but in terms of high school, high school is high school, and Lamaisa, you know, we have it. So what's the pshat, how, what's the hat there for us? Why don't we follow if the Das Torah of the Chavetz Chaim, Chaim Velazhner, is that, that Lemude Chayel is totally unacceptable to bring into Yeshiva for the reason that Rapinka says, so then it should be uh, unacceptable for us as well. I think historically the answer to this question is that when American Jewry was starting the Yeshiva system with Shagraf Ayo Mendelovitz in, in consultation with Gedele Yisrael, including, I believe, of Aaron Cutler and others, they decided that it was very important to have secular studies because if you don't have secular studies in, in, in the high schools and the elementary schools, then American parents would not in any way agree to send their child on these shores to a yeshiva because America was different. America was a land uh, you know, of, uh, of opportunity and they wanted their children to have every opportunity to be mefarnished themselves and to possibly get a college degree or at least advance you know, within, within the world of commerce or, uh, or, uh, or the profession. So they understood the Rabshagafaival, the architects of the Torah movement in America, that you have to have secular studies in, in the yeshiva system. Otherwise, the parents themselves would never agree to sending their child uh, to yeshivas. And they had to have children being sent to yeshivas or else the whole, the whole Hebrew day school movement would flop. So o- originally it was like a shah almost to have secular studies in, in the yeshiva system. And, and in fact, I know that there were G'dayli Yisrael that strongly you know, felt that there was a point in the history of even American jury that we should stop. We already have a very big, a big enough alum that would appreciate not necessarily needing secular subjects, and so we should stop it. But for the most part, there are there are many yeshivas today, by the way, that Litvish yeshivas that do not have secular studies in America, but there are still many that do, and that's still minigavisin biyadeno because of the aforementioned decision of G'dayli Yisrael to have it because they felt, I believe, that America was a country that you absolutely have to service the community that you're dealing with, and therefore secular studies was, uh, was, was put into yeshivas uh, regardless of the, of the uh, danger of bringing in these maidservants into the house and perhaps luring um, you know, young minds to, uh, to follow uh, after those, uh, those secular subjects. I will end with a letter that we've discussed many times, even recently in our uh, Great Jewish Life series, we, we mentioned this letter from Rav Huttner, and I believe that this letter is really a, almost like a charter for our yeshiva, and perhaps all yeshivas in America that, that have secular subjects. Um, Rav Huttner, with his Das Taira, uh, speaks very clearly about the importance of 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 sometimes getting a pursuing a secular career, um, and and I guess involved in that is the studying of secular subjects, which is required to engage in secular careers. And this is, I believe, if we have one, I'm not saying that I don't know if if, if Huntner would would agree to uh, what we're doing or not. I'm not. I don't want to put my tire into his mouth. Or Huntner himself was famous for quoting the Chassam Sefer as saying that you can always, you should you be free, feel free to quote my Tyra in your name. I and mean, you want to steal my Tyra and say it's your Tyra, fine. But never put your Tyra in my name. Never say ever your Tyra in my name. That I don't want. So I don't want to be accused of putting, you know, my Tyra into Rav Hutner's name. I don't know if Rav Hutner would agree with this, what I'm saying. But his letter is very clear. If you want to look it up, it's in the Igor Suksavim, 
and it's letter Tzadi Dalid in the letters of the Pachid Yitzchak. And he writes to a uh, to a certain person. I actually I actually know the background, and I've told you the background. I know the doctor uh, who it was uh, who the letter was written to. Long story. I don't really want to go into the the personal uh, history behind the letter, but basically, this this young medical student who learned in Chaim Berlin and then he went to medical school, he felt that he was very disappointed. Um, that uh, that he felt torn by the decision that he made. Um, possibly, Rav Huttner, according to him, at least, Rav Huttner advised him to go to medical school. Or uh, Talmid Rav Huttner denied that. But in any event, he went to medical school and he felt that it was impossible for him. He felt very conflicted by the fact that he's engaged in secular studies and, sec- and a secular career, and at the same time trying to remain a bentaira, trying to remain somebody that davens every day with kavana and, and learns and is a shemer mitzvah. And, you know, back then medical school is not what it was today. You can't go to like a med- Turo medical school and have kosher food and, uh, you know, minyanim and shirim and everything and, you know, and yam taivim off. It was very different back then. And and this person called, wrote a letter to Avodah and said, I'm very uh, upset with my decision. I don't feel that I'm, I feel like I'm living a double life. I feel like I have a split personality. I have to be a from person at the same time, you know, then put on my, uh, you know, take off my cape and put on my suit and, uh, and be a, you know, and, and play a doctor now. And like, how do I do both? And Rav Huttner said that you have a very wrong misconception about the subject. He says the general, the gist of your letter was that there's Hanacha Pshuta, there's the, the absolute uh, basic premise of your letter that a secular career is a, de- is a double life. If you are a, a Ben Taira and you decide to go to medical school, or you decide to go into accounting, or you decide to go into dental school, or into a business, a secular career is like a stira to, to Yiddishkeit, and so it's a, it's a double life. And he says it's superfluous for me to tell you that I never would agree in any which way to a Talmud of mine engaging in a double life. It's not a double life. He says like this, but if somebody, he gives us a, this, this fantastic muscle. He says, if somebody has a, uh, a house here in Queens, let's say, or he has an apartment here in Queens, and in this house or in this apartment, he has a family and he's from and everything is good. And then unbeknownst to anybody, he also has like an apartment, a condo in Manhattan. And nobody knows in Queens about my condo that I have in Manhattan. And I throw parties in that condo, and I have things going on there that I would never want anyone to know about. That's a textbook case of what? That's a double life. You're living a double life. That's, that's exactly what a double life is. I, I had a friend who, his, uh, you know, his grandparents who lived in a, a certain part of the world uh, before the war that could get away with this, they found out that the grandfather had his family here in one, in one little shtetl, and then in another shtetl, he for some reason had another family, and they didn't know about each other. So this person was living mamish a double life. You know, I, I wouldn't mind doing that, I would, but I don't mind having to, I just wouldn't want to have two mothers-in-law. That would be a problem for me. But, uh, I'm joking. But, um, but, that, but uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that's, that's a double life. That's a double life. To have, to have two separate lives and they don't know about each other, they conflict, that's a double life. He says, but let's say, you t- I tell you, you know what, I bought an apartment in Queens and it doesn't have one bedroom, it has two bedrooms in it. It's a two-bedroom apartment. Oh my gosh, the mashkiach has a two-bedroom apartment in Queens and he's living a double life. That's not a double life. That's a broad life. That means that he has some wiggle room, he has, he has the ability to live a little bit broadly. He says, don't confuse a double life with a broad life. You're living a broad life if you have, uh, if you have the ability to learn Tyra and engage in, secular, in a secular career, you're able to live a life that's broad. It's not a double life. If you think it's a steerer, then you got the whole thing wrong. He says, he says uh, that there's a story about a famous Dr. Wallach Dr. Wallach was a um, was a, the founder of Shari Tzedek Hospital 
in uh, in Yerushalayim. Let me just show you a picture of him. It's actually I quote this uh, this letter in Great Jewish Letters, and um, so I have a. I have a picture of Dr. Wallach. Dr. Wallach looks more like a Rosh Hashiva than even a Rav Hutner, maybe, you know, in this. He, he looked, you know, he was uh, a very chash of a person, and he was the founder of Shari Tzedek Hospital. So I'll show you a picture of him. Here. This is, can you see, this is Rav Hutner, and then this is Dr. Wallach. Who looks more like the Rosh Hashiva? Right, it's a toss-up, right? This is Dr. Wallach. He was the head of the uh, he was the head of Sharitzadik Hospital. This is the way Sharitzadik Hospital used to look back in the early 1900s when he founded it. He came over from Germany, and uh, today, of course, is a sprawling modern uh, hospital um, ca- campus. But he started and he kept a, a very tight ship. He never got married. By the way, he totally dedicated his life to this hospital and to servicing people. So, Rav Hutner says that he once was in this hospital in Shari Tzedek, and he saw Dr. Wallach, and he was about to perform a surgery on, on a patient, and they wheeled, they were wheeling the patient into the hospital room, doctor, into the surgery, surgery room. Dr. Wallach approaches the patient and asks for his mother, his name and his mother's name. Why? Because he wanted to daven for him. Before he performed surgery, he wanted to daven for his patient. He says, is that, a, is that a double life? Wait, wait, what right do you have to daven? You're the doctor, you're not the rabbi. What do you, it's not a do, that's not a double life, that's a broad life. And he says that if a person has, is marach be'echad, Chazal say, if you're marach be'echad, if you say the word Shema Yisrael, Hashem Echad, and the word Echad you elongate, so marichin lo yamam he says, if you're marach be'echad, he has like a play on words, if you stretch out Hashem's echad, and you make it broader. You say he's not just in the base manager. He's also in the boardroom. He's in the surgery room. He's in the. He's in my store. He's in my. Uh, uh, you know. He's in my. Uh, my my coding. Uh, uh, my my laboratory. My uh, my computer lab. Wherever it is, Hashem is there also. Your marich becha marichin leyam mshneislev. So I I always felt that this letter, and I always tried to buy. I know who owns this letter. I always tried to buy it from him. Made him very very generous offers. As of yet, he has not yet bit, but maybe he will someday. But he's no youngster anymore. But this, I believe, is like the charter letter for for our yeshiva and for many many all yeshivas really in America that have a second because it basically here you have a gadol and he's saying and I'm not saying that he meant this as lachatchilo. There are many guys in yeshiva obviously in Chaim Berlin that that never stepped foot into college and he would probably say that you know it's. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, you know, you see that, you know, his Talmidim were, you know, were and are the G'daylam of today, many of them. So, and they, many of them did not go to God. But at least it gives a Mokim Leskadu, you see that, that, that there was this Das Taira that it's okay to have a secular career. And it's not a stira, and it's not, a, it's not something that, but again, it has to be provided that it's not a double life. It's very similar almost to the, the letter of the Rambam that, the implication being that if you start getting too attracted to one of the secular careers, meaning if I make my career my entire love, if I love medicine to the degree that I love it more than Tyra, that's a problem. If you understand that you're using the medical career or you're using your law degree or whatever in order to make a parnasa, in order to, to help people, then that's okay. But the second that it becomes something that you're overly attracted to, now it's no longer a broad life, now it becomes more of a double life. It becomes like you're doing, you're, you're almost like not having that, that fidelity to the Torah that's, that's absolutely required. But be that as it may, this is just a little bit of a of a broad hashkafa of the Taira when it comes to Chachmas um, Chitzainius. Hanukkah is a good time to discuss this because the Yavanim absolutely tried to get us away from Taira, to make our major love, our primary love, the Chachmas Chitzainius. But we recognize that the Menaira is the Samuel of Taira. And in the Taira, you, you have interest in everything, fine. The Taira is broad enough and it, it includes everything. 
all the Chachmas are contained within the Torah. So it's not that we're anti-secular. So that's all part of the Torah, but it has to always be understood that when you're engaging in it, it's as a, it's as a maidservant to the Torah, and it's not a standalone uh, thing in and of itself that has value externally from the Torah. And I think that's the real basic hashkafic differences between, let's say, a Torah philosophy as opposed to a Torah Derech Eretz philosophy. In Washington Heights itself, and Rav Schwab is always very quick to point this out, you have like, within a few miles in Washington Heights, a radius of, you have, you know, Yeshiva University, which I'm not in any way, you know, being critical of, it's far be it for me to be critical of, but it has, they have a Taramada philosophy. Then on the other side of Washington Heights is Breuer's, Kaldas Yishurin, with the Rav Hirsch's philosophy of Taram Derech Eretz. Sounds very similar, and a lot of people even just say, yeah, it's the same thing, but it's very different. And I'm not an expert in really defining differences between the two. It's not my, it's not exactly uh, my specialty, but there are people that do specialize in it. But I think just based on what we said today, the inherent difference is that Torah umada means that Torah is chashuv and mada is chashuv. And, and they're not, they don't necessarily have to, you know, there's symmetry between them, but as a standalone, uh, a standalone um, ambition, or, uh, or infatuation, you can be infatuated with Tyra, and you can also be infatuated with Mada, and then somehow join the two. Tyram Derech Eretz is more, the Hershian philosophy is that Tyra is the Iker. Now, you also need to earn a Parnassa, and you also, it's important to be broad and, and to, to be conversant in things, because as a human being in society, you need that. But the Tyra is the main thing, and the and the Derech Eretz is just a, a handmaiden to, a maidservant to the, uh, to the, uh, to the Torah itself. And that's a very, it seems like just, uh, you know, words. It seems to be just a, uh, you know, just something that's semantics, but it's not. It's very deep. It's a very deep philosophical divide between Torah Omada and Torah Derech Eretz. And I think with all of the, with what we learned today from Rapinkas and the Rambam and, uh, and Rav Hutner, we could, better get an understanding, at least, of what our Hashkav HaZachayim must be when we're engaged in Torah and we're engaged in Derech Eretz, that the Derech Eretz and the Mada and all the secular subjects that we're studying in the afternoon and that we might continue to study after we graduate all have to be here primarily to service the Torah as, a, as, a, as an underpinning of the Torah itself to support what we're doing in life, to support the love that we have for Torah, but the Torah and the love, the infatuation that we have for our, for our, our Eishas Neurim, as the Raman puts it, for the love of our youth, has to never ever be subverted to a love of other subjects. The, the, love, the love has to be primarily for Tyra, and the other subjects are here merely to serve the Tyra Hakadeshah.